It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Podcast Network, I'm Dana Perino and everything will be okay. With season three right around the corner, today I'm revisiting conversations from season two with Harvard professor and NYT bestselling author Arthur Brooks and co-author of Bet on You, How to Win with Risk, Angie Morgan. Arthur, it's great to have you on the Everything Will Be Okay podcast. That's great. Hi, Dana. And I hope everything is going to be okay. We're going to make everything okay. Well, you know what? I guess that's a good way to start. Uh, You have a great new book out. And it was, of course, number one on the New York Times bestseller list. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the new book. And if you conclude at the end that everything will be okay. Yeah, the new book is called From Strength to Strength, Finding Success, Happiness, and Deep Purpose in the Second Half of Life. And basically what the book is, is it's not for old people. It's for everybody who wants to not have to leave it up to chance. You know, people who want to be happier at 75 than they were at 25. And and this is basically a book that's your happiness 401k plan. It's the investments that you need to make that will make you happier all along the way and give you more than a fighting chance. It will give you an overwhelming likelihood of actually being happier when you're old than when you were very young. And so, yeah, you know, my, my, when I started off the research, I didn't know if this could be done. And by the end, I was completely sure based on all the people that I talked to the, the actually scientific research that I studied, putting it all together as a social scientist. I mean, I'm like, I'm a, uh, I'm a guy who teaches this stuff and I am so convinced of this that it's completely changed the way that I live and everything can be more all right than it is right now. I'm (laughs) sure of it. So one of the things that I talk about in Everything Will Be Okay and have interviewed the author of is um, a book called The Defining Decade. And yeah. it's about, do you know this book? I've heard of it. I, don't, yes. I haven't read it. So it's about how you must invest in yourself in your 20s in order for the rest of your life to be turn out well. <laughs> um, huh. That the idea is you can't just um, think that everything is going to be fine magically when you turn 32. Yeah, that there's a lot of uh, laying the groundwork that you have to do. And so I'm wondering about how you might think of what you just described as your 401k plan for the rest of your life. I love that. So is it important in your 20s and as you're starting your career and maybe that first career or the second career transition where you are uh, maybe becoming the boss, taking on more responsibility and then making other bigger life choices? Do you have to invest in yourself thinking about the second half of your life in that early part of your career? So to begin with, um, the earlier you start investing in yourself and in your happiness and the love in your life, the better off you're going to be. But I found very clearly that it is never too late. If you, you know, the people who are listening to us who had kind of a misbegotten 20s, you know, I hear this all the time. I teach at the Harvard Business School, these, you know, super put together, absolutely ambitious people, young people, very different than I was. I mean, I didn't finish college till I was 30. I was a professional musician all the way through my 20s. I'm doing something completely different than I was doing. My values are different. My politics are different than I was when I was in my 20s. I, I don't regret my 20s because I learned a lot. I'm, you know, I got married and, you know, I'm still married. Uh, 
uh, 30 years later. And so a lot of really beautiful things happened. But I have to say that that you would have looked at me and said, boy, oh boy, he's making a lot of decisions that don't look like they're going to last uh, stand the stand the test of time. And in fact, they didn't. But everything can turn out OK, even if your investment plan doesn't start early enough. That's one of the clear mm-hmm. things that I found. So how do you find that? Tell us about your research methodology. Well, so the research as a social scientist, I'm actually I've done a lot of sort of the bench science of human behavior. Uh, this book is about 20 percent neuroscience, about 40 percent philosophy and theology and spirituality. And the rest is really this, uh, you know, social psychology and economics and, and, and putting it all together with histories of really, you know, people who are important that we all know of, like Charles Darwin and Johann Sebastian Bach, but a lot of ordinary people that were talking to me off the record, real strivers. These are people who wanted to do a lot with their lives. And and a lot of them actually, quite frankly, are not very happy. And one of the key things that I found over the course of this research is that there's a striver's curse. You know, a lot of people who are going to be listening to your podcast are people who are trying to invest so they can be unbelievably successful, hoping that that is the right strategy to also be really happy. And it turns out that's not necessarily the case. On the contrary, you find that people who invest the most early on in just their pure worldly success are often struggling the most at the end of their lives, which is why you need not just a 401k plan for your money and your success, but also one for your happiness as well. So that's the methodology. You look at the history, you look at the philosophy, you look at the science, and then you you interview a lot of ordinary people and apply it to their lives and give them a lot of takeaways that they can use. You know, you'll get asked a question. What's something that people don't know about you? I'm like, uh, I've been on the five for 11 years. I really can't think of something. Of course, there will be yeah. a thing here or there. But being open and vulnerable in a public setting like that has actually brought us, I think, closer to our fans. Yeah, no, it's funny because people, they hide a lot of stuff and they, they lump together two things that shouldn't be lumped together and the things that they hide. Number one is the same kind of embarrassing truths about life that everybody has, but but they're not there's there's nothing to be ashamed of. You just don't want to talk about it. And the other thing are things that you should really be ashamed of. If you're dishonest, for example, if you hurt other people, if you, you know, you've done something that's really that's bad or illegal, for example, and people, they, they lump together their, you know, their depression or their anxiety or their addiction with, you know, some crime they've committed. And that's just completely wrong. You know, the truth of the matter is that we're, we're all struggling. We're all, you know, I have students who come into my office all the time and they shut the door and they say, professor, I'm a hot mess. And I didn't, you know, that's a funny expression. It turns out it's from the 19th century. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a totally millennial thing. Yeah. It's a, it's from that it was actually coined in the late 19th century to say that the public is a hot mess or a person is a hot mess. And even with Gone with the Wind, Scarlett O'Hara uses it when she's talking about Melanie or, you know, yeah, it's funny. So, but anyway, they'll say I'm a hot mess and they, 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 they close the door because they think it's so shameful. And I say like, well, welcome to the club. You know, everybody's a hot mess. The truth is that you, you, you're the only one who sees all the messy stuff inside your own head. And then you look at everybody else and they look just fine. But the truth is that everybody's just doing the best that they possibly can and you need to share it with other people and laugh about it and make jokes about it and not worry about it one single bit i mean welcome to the hot mess club that's like humanity <laughs> more to come right after this this is jimmy Fallon inviting you to join me for fox across america where we'll discuss every single one of the democrats dumb ideas just kidding it's only a three-hour show listen live at noon eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com angie morgan welcome to the podcast Dana, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So your book is called Bet on You, How to Win with Risk. 
when I saw the title of this book and then looked into it a little bit more, I really wanted to talk to you because for seven years when I worked in the West Wing of the Bush administration, the, of President Bush's West Wing, I would travel to a lot of his speeches with him, right? And, you know, as a staffer, you've heard the stump speech a few times, right? So you're sitting in the green room and you kind of know, oh, that's he's going to tell this story or that story. And I think one of the most important lessons I learned from those moments was how he would always talk about the importance of Americans being willing to take risk. Because that is how our country grows. It's how our economy continues to strengthen and grow. And that you as an individual find that in yourself as well, if you're willing to take a risk. So I thought I would just maybe start off by asking you to tell us a little bit about where you grew up and how this concept of risk was part of your overall upbringing. And I love where you're starting, too, because the story you just told is it's the American spirit. And you have to wonder sometimes what happened or why are we as a society so risk averse? And so we'll we'll get there in a second. I grew up in northern Michigan, a really small town called Kalkaska. And all I wanted to do growing up was get the heck out of there. I was Um, in love with my community. I have great parents. It wasn't that I wanted to leave those things behind, but I was also a really big reader. I knew there was a world out there. So I went to the University of Michigan and my dad, who had served in the Marine Corps, he knew something about me. He knew I was athletic. He knew I was competitive. He also knew that I wanted to be an English major and I wasn't really interested in teaching. And he kept reminding me that there were no English factories that I could work in after college. So I really needed to think about these next steps. He turned my attention to the Marine Corps through the Naval Reserve Officer Training Corps program. And at first I was a little intimidated. I'd never really considered the military, but as soon as I got inside the program and met the men and women who were choosing to serve, I was hooked. These were the best people I had ever met in my life. They were so committed to serving their country. They were so committed to one another. I just wanted to be among them and making that decision really changed the trajectory of my life. We learned so much in the military, but the most profound experience I had was learning how to develop my leadership skills. And I didn't realize that that was going to be a takeaway until I started working in the private sector, where often the term leader and manager are used synonymously as if they're the same thing. Coming from the Marine Corps, I realized, you don't, you know, just because you have a title doesn't make you a leader. Leadership is about influence and inspiration. And so that started me and a woman I served with in the Marine Corps on a journey to build our company, Lead Star, to write a few books on leadership. And that led us to write about risk-taking. It um, is So Bet on You is about taking risks most meaningful in your life. And we coach a lot of executives who just are fearful, fearful mm-hmm. of doing the things that they have the talent we know that they have. And we want to understand why. And we want to give them the courage and confidence to enact risk. How do you know when it's the right time to leave a job? Oh, that's a really great question. And I feel like I've had various points in my careers. I'll go back to the Marine Corps. How did I know when I when I was ready to leave the Marine Corps was that I saw the next few years and I didn't want that for my life. And it's something that nobody else can tell you. You have to look internally to answer that question for yourself. So a few things, if you're not happy, 
if the things that make you happy aren't you know within the constraints or confines of your current reality if you don't like the future that you see if there's something geographically or job skill or field wise that just isn't doing it for you you have every right to pursue different opportunities and in the book too we talk about you know the message of risk taking isn't quit your job change your life because that's not how real change happens just because you quit your job doesn't mean your life is going to change sometimes you get a crappier job sometimes mm-hmm. you you know there's a big stories right now about people coming back to the original job because they tried to you know switch their jobs because that what they thought that would make them happy oh i haven't heard that can you tell me a little bit more about that yeah, there's a, a lot of boomeranging going on that in the wave of the past year and a half, uh, folks have been leaving their jobs only to come back to them and realize that that wasn't the change that I wanted to make. So again, you think the grass is greener, you go over to the other yard and you realize, no, 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 I had it really good. That wasn't the right change for me. So when we think about taking risks in our life, it's, it starts from our thoughts, our own self-authored thoughts about what it is that we like to pursue. We're going to get a lot of unsolicited advice from people telling us where they think we should be. Certainly take their opinions, but start with yourself first. And if you're not happy in your current context, it might not be your job. It could be Mm. you. Listening back to these conversations on how to cultivate lives that bring us closer to being our best selves really excites me for the next chapter of this podcast. To give you a glimpse of what's to come, here is a preview of my conversations with the CEO and founder of the Selfless Love Foundation, Ashley Brown, and the author of Die With Zero, Bill Perkins. I always, always, always said I was going to pay back my blessing of being adopted and being given, you know, this gift of this incredible family. And growing up, I always thought it was going to be, um, you know, by me adopting a child myself. Um, and then I met my husband and we were in the midst of planning our wedding. And I said, you know, there's nothing in the world that we need. So instead of asking for wedding gifts or creating a registry, why don't we create a nonprofit for foster children? And that is how our foundation was created. One of the concepts in the book is when you have a great experience, not only do you get joy and meaning from it at that time, but you also get dividends from that experience. Mm -hmm. I call them the memory dividend. And that instead of looking at it as like this giant expense, it's this investment into my retirement because you retire on memories. You really don't retire on money. (laughs) You know, just kind of reminisce about the old days and the things that you did in the life you had. And Anybody who's ever hit a game-winning home run, had a first kiss, had sex or whatever, they understand the memory dividend. They're like, oh yeah, you're right. Um, I get joy out of thinking about this thing. Well, season three, here we go. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts and listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. I'm Dana Perino, and everything will be okay.
Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to Fox News Podcast shows ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or follow wherever you get your podcasts.